purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. Hey, it's Kevin, and I want to welcome you to this installment of the Higher Purpose Podcast. It's episode 104. And once again, I'm excited about today's conversation. It's been in the works for a long time. Three episodes back, in episode 101, The Power of Gratitude, my conversation with Steve Foran about gratitude, Steve mentioned that if you've got an issue that gratitude doesn't help, you might need to explore forgiveness. Exploring forgiveness is the journey we're embarking on today. And we're joined by someone for whom forgiveness is a journey. It's a daily journey that is both recent and extremely current. We're joined by Anthony Thompson. That may be a name that sounds familiar or it might not even register on your radar screen. So pardon me for leaving you hanging in a moment if you don't know Anthony. I'm going to let the suspense linger a bit longer and let Anthony tell you the backstory that teed up this conversation on forgiveness. A wee bit more intro. A couple of months ago now, I received a copy of Anthony's book called To Forgive. And as I opened it and studied the cover, I thought this might be the guy. But I couldn't be sure until I read the book. And as I read it, I had those nudges that, yeah, this could be the guy. And as I've told you before, I will not feature a book on this podcast that I have not read personally and believe you would be better if you read it too. So I was waiting to finish Anthony's book, and I picked it up on the 4th of July, and what I read in those closing chapters sealed the deal for me. So I reached out on a holiday to get the ball rolling, finished the book a couple of days later, and here we are. Now there's one more thing. I wasn't planning on saying any of this up front, but as Anthony and I talked, there's an aspect to our conversation that might be a bit uncomfortable for some of you. Just some of you, I don't know. Anthony is a man of the cloth, a pastor, and that comes through loud and clear in our conversation. And I I actually pondered what to do about this. And then I realized from the beginning, I've promised to keep it real here and to honor authenticity. And for Anthony, this is keeping it real and being authentic. And in the context of forgiveness, I hope you hear that and find value in his story, even if you don't share his particular beliefs. Let's go. Anthony Thompson, welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm eager to launch into this topic and this conversation that we're going to have today. But before we do that, I want to welcome you. So welcome, say hello. Thank you for having me, Kevin. I really appreciate this. I'm very excited about it. And I appreciate you sharing, sharing this with the rest of the world. Awesome. And I want to start this conversation as I do all of our conversations. Anthony, Mm -hmm. what's something you're grateful for in this moment today? Well, right now I'm grateful for God's leading of the Holy Spirit to help me to move forward in my life and to not look at the tragedy as something sad or something negative, but look at the tragedy as something positive and something good. Mm -hmm. So, Anthony, I've been cryptic with our listeners leading up to this point because I wanted them to hear it from you. So they've probably already figured out that you are a minister, but what is the event and the series of events that led you to write a book about forgiveness? I wanted to save that for you. And at the same time, I know this Mm. is deeply personal. And yes, you know, so I want to honor and respect that and just ask you to share Mm. as little or as much just to give context to the rest of the conversation. But tell us. Well, tell you a little about myself. God has always been in my life. My parents, you know, raised us up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We were raised in Reform Episcopal Church, and everything was about focus on God. And in my life, of course, I've had some ups and downs. I've had some challenges with racial discrimination and things of that nature. And those experiences have helped me to grow because 
God was there all the time, you know, helping me through, telling me to change my ways, change my attitudes. And a lot of this led to forgiveness, forgiving those people who did things to me. Of course, I'm a pastor at Holy Trinity Reforming Episcopal Church, and this is something that I have appreciated to my congregation from day one on the pulpit, not realizing why, you know, mm-hmm. not realizing that it would bring me to where I am now to enable me mm-hmm. to do what I did. And then on June 17, 2015, when this tragedy occurred at the Emmanuel Amy Church in Charleston, South Carolina, where my wife, Myra, was teaching the Bible study. Of course, she was killed, along with eight other people, by Dylan Roof, a young white male who thought it would be a good idea to start a race war by killing people of color. Mm. Mm. And this is when the challenge became greater Mm. for me to either focus on God and deal with it from his perspective or to focus on my own emotions and deal with it from my perspective. Wow. I mean, so... So you have been a pastor for years, and you had preached forgiveness. Yes. And then it got real personal. Got very personal, yes. Okay, so, and my heart goes out to you. I cannot imagine Mm -hmm. the depth of pain and despair, but June 17th, 2015, we just marked the four-year anniversary. Yes. Then what happened, Anthony? Two days later. Two days later, God had dealt with me before the two days late, he dealt with me that night of the tragedy mm. because I was like one of the first responders there. And when I discovered that my wife was dead, then I just wallowed in the ground crying mm. in my own misery. Mm. And God said, get up, not knowing it was him at first until I heard it the third time, get up. Familiar voice, because I remember that voice when I was seven years old. He told me I was going to be a preacher and I told him no. <laughs> I heard that voice again that night telling me get up. And to remind me of the messages that I just talked about, of forgiveness that I preached in my congregation several times in reference to if you lost a loved one, mm. husband or wife or daughter, son, and they were taken away from you unexpectedly, and if you cherished them more than you cherished the Lord, then what would you do? Mm. And he reminded me of that. Mm. And then he, of course, I didn't want to hear anything he had to say, <laughs> you know. I just Mm. was like, why are you even coming at me this time, Mm. even talking about this, trying to remind me about this? But then I realized that, yeah, my congregation needed to know that I was all right. So they would be all right. I knew I had to be the example as to what God was pointing me to. And he gave me scripture to preach for that Sunday. Mm. And the scripture was St. Luke 17th chapter about things will happen in your life that will cause you to stumble. Mm. But he says, woe to the one who caused that to happen because... They would rather have a millstone tied around their neck thrown into the sea than to harm one of his little ones. And then he says, watch yourselves. Revenge is mine. Mm. And then in the next scripture, he says, forgive. And I'm trying to figure out what is all this about? And so 48 hours after the tragedy, I'm at home in my pajamas and my daughter and son trying to get me to go to a bond hearing, which I did not want to go to Mm. because I had been an agent for 27 years, retired, took a lot of people to bond hearings, and I knew there was nothing significant about it except the person would receive a bond to determine whether he or she would be released or go back to the cell. So I I was like, I'm not going. Somehow my daughter encouraged me to go, and I explained to them, I was very adamant about us not saying one word Mm. to anybody. We were going to go sit down, stay a few minutes, get up, and we're going to leave. Then Nadine spoke, one of the family members of uh, the victim, uh, Ethel Lance. And she told the young man, God have mercy on your soul and I forgive you. And when I heard that, I told my daughter and son, I said, it's time for us to go. When Nadine gets through speaking, we're leaving. Mm. But God had other plans. The magistrate asked if there was anybody there to speak for Maya Thompson's family. And I looked at my children and I said, keep your mouth closed, don't say anything, we're leaving. And as soon as I said that, God said again, get up. I have something to say. And I'm walking to the podium and I'm saying, okay, God, you've got something to say. Say it because I don't have anything to say. And all of a sudden, all I know came out of my mouth was, son, you know, I forgive you. My family forgives you. We would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent and confess. Give your life to the one who matters the most, Christ. And when I said Christ, he lifted his head up because he had his head down the whole time. And he gave me his eyes 
So I knew he heard me. Then I went on to say, he can change your ways. He can change your life. And no matter what happens to you, if you do that, if you do that, no matter what happens to you, you'll be better off than you are right now. Hmm. And that's when I found out why God had me at that bond hearing and why he led me to say what I said, because I experienced my body beginning to shake. I could just feel things leaving my body and didn't know exactly what was going on until I felt light as a feather. And then I realized that he freed me from the anger and the hate that I was bearing. He freed me from even the sadness, the loss that I had for my wife. I mean, he just freed me from everything that bothered me, that was just making me miserable. And I experienced a peace. Hmm. I mean, peace like none other. And I preached that sermon about peace so many times. And I thought to my congregation, I thought I had it. I thought they had it. Hmm. But at the bond hearing, I found out that we did not have it hmm. because I felt peace. I felt that peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus. I felt it. I know what it feels like. Hmm. And I know that that act of forgiveness was for me and not for Dylan. God wanted to free me up because hmm. he had another mission. And that mission was after he freed me up, immediately he said, now your mission is to spread the gospel of forgiveness. And that's where I want to pick up and go deeper into this story, Anthony. So thank you for sharing that. And I know that you've shared that story hundreds of times, perhaps thousands of times in the last four years at a variety of memorial services. And thank you for sharing it. I just want that to be the springboard and the backdrop. I don't want to dig into deep levels and have you go into all of that story. But thank you for sharing. What I want to focus on, and you and I talked about this in advance, Mm -hmm. to ask what has the journey of forgiving Dylan for this and of this horrific, incredibly hateful act allowed you to discover and experience Mm. about forgiveness? Mm. Indeed, it was awesome. And I, for the first time, realized and felt the incredible peace and power and love of God. Mm. I mean... I had no problem, I have no problem today being obedient to what he asked me to do, uh, what he requires of me, because I know, I know now better than I ever did before that he's not going to put me in a position to do anything that's going to hurt me or hurt anybody else. He's not going to put me in a position of leave me by myself to get it done. He's there all the time making this happen. It's like I'm watching a movie, but I'm not in the movie. And I'm sitting back and God has shown me all his handiwork. Mm. Everything that has happened in my life, the people he's putting in my life, the things that are going on, the things that have happened, I'm watching all these things. And, but God is reminding me that it's not me because I'm watching him do it. Mm. Mm. And this has brought me to a better and sincere and clearer sense of who he is mm. and what he can do in your life. Mm. Okay. So, when you were recounting the story at the bond hearing, when you didn't want to speak up, but you did speak up, there was mm-hmm. this lightness that came. On page 67 of your book, you share one of my favorite quotations from Lewis Smead. Yes. And I'm going to share that and ask you to elaborate. Here's the quotation. Forgiving is a journey, sometimes a long one. And mm-hmm. we may need some time before we get to the station of complete healing. But the nice thing is that we are being healed in route. When we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner we set free was us. That's right. That's the beauty of it. You know, that's what I realized and that's what keeps me going and enables me to move forward because. I understand that every step of my life, from the time of the tragedy to where I'm now, you know, I'm depending on God to bring me through it, and he's healing me along the way. It it reminds me of when the ten lepers were in Samaria, and Jesus was passing through, and they were screaming from afar, saying, heal us, clean us. He didn't say you're healed. He didn't say you're clean. He made no implications as to whether he responded the way they wanted to respond. He just told them, go to the priest. You know, going to the priest meant that 
well, you must be know you're healed because if you go to the priest, the priest will tell you whether you're clean or not. But they went without him even being saying you're healed. In other words, in faith, he was healing them along the way. On the way. Along the way. And this is what he's doing in my life. He's healing me along the way. There's a journey of forgiveness. You can forgive and you can experience that peace immediately. Mm. You experience that peace immediately. But your life is being healed along the way. I believe, you know, that God is going to bring me through every day, mm. every step of the day. And no matter what it is that I have to do, no matter what he appoints me to do, I know my day is going to be okay. Mm. You know, because I feel that healing. I feel that healing in my life every day. The peace that he gave me is still there. And it is actually the peace that I have with God. Knowing that he's in control, that's what's actually healing me every day, mm. making my life better every day. Okay, so Anthony, in the book, you go into this, Mm -hmm. these elements, aspects of forgiveness, and I'd like to dig into some of those with you in this moment. Okay. So the words that Lewis Smead used were when we genuinely forgive. So Mm -hmm. genuinely forgive, what's involved? Are feelings involved? Did you feel like forgiving, Dylan? No. No, when you genuinely forgive, you're not involved at all. (laughs) The only thing, your emotions cannot be involved. Your feelings cannot be involved because the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. We have the natural inclination when somebody do us wrong to want to get them back. Mm -hmm. You know, the natural inclination to get angry, to get mad. That's us. Mm. You know, that's not God. You understand what I'm saying? So there's no feeling involved in forgiveness. Forgiveness comes from God's divine intervention. Now, I didn't want to be there at the barn hearing, but God placed me there. I didn't know what to say. I didn't have anything to say. The words came from him through the Holy Spirit, through me, to say, I forgive you. Mm. So it took God to intervene Mm -hmm. to help me to do that. And it's going to take God to intervene in anybody's life to help them to be able to forgive. So it's not about feelings. You're not going to feel like, oh, today is a great day to forgive somebody. No, because it's going to be too hard for you to do by yourself. So it is a decision you make, a a choice you make. It's a choice. It's a choice you make. You could either do it or not do it, but God's going to lead you to do it. Okay. You know, So in the book, you talk about the act of wronging someone as being Mm -hmm. a debt, incurring a debt. Mm -hmm. What happens to the debt that is incurred by the offense? Or let's just talk about it like this. Very Yeah. Okay. What happened to the debt Dylan was indebted to you for taking the life of your wife, Myra, when you chose to forgive? Dylan's debt is being paid right now while he's sitting in prison. He received nine life sentences and he received nine death sentences. You know what I mean? He received more than nine life sentences, but he received nine death sentences. That's his debt. Mm-hmm. That's the debt he paid to me. He paid to society. You know, he paid to everybody who was affected by that tragedy. But I told him to repent, mm-hmm. confess and repent, meaning that he has the opportunity to go to the Lord, to ask God to forgive him, because when he asks God to forgive him, guess what? His debt is paid in full Hmm. by the mercies and grace of God. And so he doesn't owe me a debt. He doesn't owe anybody a debt. Okay, he's being punished for his crime. That's the debt that he's paying, as far as society says. But the debt can be paid in full if he renders his life to the Lord and asks God to forgive him. Right. Now, there's still consequences for the action. Yes. Pays to society. Yes. Another misconception you talk about in the book. Must the forgiven person respond to your extension of forgiveness for the forgiveness to be complete? It would be nice. It would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) It would be nice. Yeah. Because first of all, I don't know who Dylan is. I didn't know him. So there is no need for reconciliation. But if he accepted my forgiveness, then maybe 
that would be the starting point for us to get to know each other. Mm. I can get to know we can come together and not sort things out, but to find out who we really are. Mm. But I don't need him to accept my forgiveness. You understand? To forgive him because my forgiveness is not for him. Mm. It's for me. In your conversations, and I know you've had yeah. men, mm-hmm. is this a part that people trip up on? All the time. Yeah. All the time. All the time. And I've heard that a lot. People say, well, how can he be forgiven? And when you forgave him and he never acknowledged it, you know, he has no remorse. He's still saying that if he had the opportunity, he would do it again. Mm. And I tell people, I say, you know, that's the misunderstanding we have about forgiveness. And that's what you call secular forgiveness. Hmm. That's the way the world sees forgiveness. First of all, the Bible says that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's between me and God, confessing my sin. Mm -hmm. Now, the person who's done you wrong and you forgave that person, you don't need them to say, okay, you're forgiven. No, God forgives you, Hmm. not the person. So you don't need them to acknowledge it or accept it. All you need to do is do it. And God does the forgiving. God forgives you. You understand? Right. And God gives you the peace that you need. Because he's the only one who can grant you forgiveness, not Dylan. Hmm. So you also pulled in a quote from Bishop Desmond Tutu. And you listening, if you know who Bishop Tutu is, you know what an instrumental role he played in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Yes. In the rebuilding of South Africa after apartheid, when there were monstrosity of crimes committed against humanity. And South Africans took a very different approach. If people would come and renounce their crimes, crimes. they could receive exoneration from the penalties, but they had to renounce rather than right. seeking to punish people. And Bishop Tutu said, as the victim, you okay. offer the gift of your forgiving to the perpetrator who may or may not appropriate the gift, mm-hmm. but it has been offered, and thereby it liberates the victim. Mm. Anthony, this is something that I just think people, back to the Lewis Smeets quote, we misunderstand. Yeah. We don't understand that forgiveness is primarily for us. For us. For us. For us. If I need to forgive someone, yeah, and the other thing that's really sad, I mean, and to this day, Mm-hmm. God bless his soul. Dylan does not see any wrong that he's done. And as you've said, no. he had the chance no. to do it again. Yeah. There's so much venom in his heart that he said he'd do it again. He'd do it again. Mm-hmm. But you you've know. released, right? You made a decision and yes. you could still be carrying a burden and guilt and anger and hatred and mm-hmm. remorse. And it's mm-hmm. enough out the rest of your life. And Dylan's not even feeling any remorse over that. So for None. Him, is for us. Yes, forgiveness is for us. Yeah, well, (laughs) it could be weird for those who don't understand, for those who interpret forgiveness the way the world. I can understand people feeling that way. They had an experience with that experience, but I know. Mm. I know that forgiveness is for the one who was offended. Yeah. You understand? Because it releases all the control that that person had on you for what they did to you. You're released from their control. Okay, so I want to take this in a different dimension, just as I've listened to you mm-hmm. and as these things we're saying. Okay, so let's not talk about forgiveness yet. Let's talk about okay. the offenses. Offenses happen at all different levels. All different. That There are times in your case, mm-hmm. I mean, this heinous crime, this hateful act, was committed by someone that didn't even know you, your wife, or the other victims, but perpetrated on them and you because they were people of a particular skin color. Now, Mm -hmm. so there's this where we don't know the offender, but we a debt is incurred. But Mm -hmm. I also want to bring this closer to home. And let's talk about forgiveness in these dimensions where it's somebody in your own household. Okay. Somebody under the roof with you that forgives. Because mm-hmm. in your case, what you were just saying, it would be nice that there could be reconciliation between you and this stranger, but you had no relationship with Dylan before. It's highly unlikely. I know you've written a letter and you've asked for an opportunity to meet. That may never happen. 
But when it's right. somebody in your household, mm-hmm. reconciliation is the goal at that point. Yeah, reconciliation can be the goal, you know, because if it was a husband or a wife, a sister or brother, you know, you have this relationship already. Right. And a lot of people feel that if I forgive my brother or my sister, how could they turn me down? How can they not forgive me? Because I'm trying to get back with them. I want to reconnect. You know, I want our lives to get better because I'm miserable right now because between me and the brother and the sister. But I can understand the importance of reconciliation, but it's not an ingredient for forgiveness. It's an outcome. Would you say it's a byproduct of forgiveness? It could be a byproduct of forgiveness. Right. You know, because we are reconciled to God through forgiveness. Right. So if there is an offense for reconciliation to occur, forgiveness must happen. But forgiveness can happen and no reconciliation. No reconciliation. Forgiveness can happen without it. Yeah. Okay. Without it. So it's not needed. This is where your book got interesting to me, Anthony. Mm -hmm. I want to dig into some of these misconceptions. Okay. You've had voice to you on your forgiveness Mm -hmm. journey over these last four years or just through life? Because I know you mentioned in the opening, you know, there've been other Mm -hmm. times that you've been done wrong, but let's start with the saying that I believe everyone listening to us talk at this moment has heard. And if we're honest, have probably questioned at one time or another, including me and you. Yeah. Forgive and forget. (laughs) If you've really forgiven, you forget. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say to them? I say it doesn't quite mean what people interpret it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's dig into that because, I mean, that's one of the big misconceptions, right? Yes, it is. I mean, no, I'll never forget. Right. I will never, ever forget what Dylan did. I'll never forget that he killed my wife. I'll never forget that he killed eight other people. I'll never forget that he did it to start a race war. Why? Because... These things are important. I won't forget because we need to remember so that we can prevent this from happening again. You don't want to be hurt again the same way. You don't want to be hurt again at all. So you don't want to forget how you were hurt and who you hurt you because you want to be able to see it coming. Next time you won't be able to say, no, 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 I'm not going to let that happen. I'm just going to back away from it. But what it says to forgive and forget, because even God says, I'll forgive you of your sins and remember your wickedness no more doesn't mean that God is not intelligent enough to remember what you did. It means that he is not going to come down on you with his wrath. And it means for us, forgive and forget means that I'm not going to take revenge on Dylan. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to hate him. I'm not going to let him take control of my life. That's what it means to forgive and forget in that sense. Mm -hmm. But you don't forget in your minds. You don't forget that. No. Okay. So another instance, and one particularly close to home, when the act needing forgiveness is as heinous and as hateful as this was towards your wife and the eight others, mm-hmm. does forgiving, and in this case, the big question is, does forgiving let the perpetrator or the offender off the hook? No, by no Talk means. No means. Mm. Now... That's one of the misconceptions and why people were asking, how can you mm-hmm. forgive? How can mm-hmm. you forgive so quickly? How could mm-hmm. you forgive something so vicious and heinous? Yeah. The question I got, people believe that I dismiss or condone the crime. Yeah. And it's no way. I went to court every day, mm-hmm. okay, to see that Dylan get do justice, that he receives the penalty for what he did to my wife and eight other people. I went to court for those reasons. Now, I don't believe in the death penalty, you understand? But I did believe that something needed to happen to him. Justice needed to be served. Justice needed to be served. It's just like you and I and everybody else. We sin. Now, God doesn't punish us for our sin. We punish ourselves by our own sins because bad things happen as a result of sin. Consequences. Consequences, you understand? And so Dylan, quite naturally, is being punished for what he did, Mm. according to the laws of man. Mm. You understand? But that doesn't have anything to do with me not forgiving him. I can forgive him and at the same time want him to be punished. Mm. But forgive him 
and at the same time, not want to hate him, mm. not want to be angry at him, not want to take revenge, mm. not wanting to put matters into my own hands. You know, I can do that. Yeah. You know, and that's real forgiveness. Real forgiveness means that you're not condoning the crime. You're not taking the person off the hook. You're taking yourself off the hook. Mm. Mm. You understand? Because you're saying to him or that person who did you wrong, you're saying, you know what? I'm not going to let you control my life. Mm. You know, what you did to me, I'm going to forgive you so that I can receive the peace that I need instead of trying to seek the peace that I think I can have from taking revenge, from holding a grudge, from mm. getting angry at you. That's not going to give me peace. That's going to make my life miserable because mm. the Bible says you reap what you sow. And if you sow anger, you can't fight evil with evil. The Bible says you have to fight evil with good. Another one that I want to ask you, and I know this one, again, you've heard, especially mm -hmm. in this context. Is there any act so heinous that it's unforgivable? Nobody's irredeemable. Mm. There's only one thing that I know of, and this has nothing to do with a person like me and you, but with God himself. If a person blasphemies the Holy Spirit, if a person does not give their life to the Lord, if a person says, I don't need you, I don't need to believe in you, you understand what I'm saying? That's an unforgivable sin because now you don't have the opportunity to be forgiven because you don't believe in the forgiver, you see? But other than that, nobody's irredeemable. Nobody is irredeemable. Nobody's irredeemable. I don't no care. Act is unforgivable. Nobody's unforgivable hmm. because... I may not have committed the same kind of crime as Dylan. Because let me tell you what happened on my way up to the podium at the bond hearing when I forgave him. Before I forgave him, the thought came to my mind. God planted in my mind. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm a sinner. Hmm. Now, I didn't kill anybody. But there's some things I did wrong in my life. Dylan's a sinner, too. Yeah, he killed my wife. And he killed eight other people. And I don't like that he did it. But his sin... There's no bigger than my sin. Sin is a sin. There's no big sin. There's no little sin. You understand what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter how we look at crime, we as people, we put crime in that category. We put wrongdoings in that category. We say, oh, well, I just stole a cookie out the cookie jar, but he killed eight people. Well, I mean, let's get over that, okay? <laughs> we all committed sin. Yeah. God came to save what? All men, okay? He didn't come to save a cookie jar thief, someone who just slandered somebody's name. You know, he came to, and then look at murders and say, oh, no, no, you can't be saved. No, no, he came to free us all, mm. you know, with that unmerited grace. Okay. And so when we look at people, we have to realize before you look at, look at yourself, mm. examine your own life, and you'll see that song said, you'll see the moat in your eyes before you can see that little speck of dust in your brother's eyes, then you'll understand what you need to do because then you'll figure out that I'm a sinner just like him. Right. And I need forgiveness just like he needs forgiveness. God forgave me, so why can't I forgive him? That's right. The biblical view of forgiveness is the reason why we forgive is not because someone else deserves forgiveness, but because God first forgave us forgave us and because we are forgiven people we become forgiving people forgiving people yes and that's what we have to grasp that's we have to understand i know people get hurt i know it somebody's probably getting hurt right now people have done you wrong sexually physically abuse you talk about you slander your name don't like you angry hate you because of the color of your skin and those things happen those things hurt people yes and I know people get hurt, you understand? But, and then when they get hurt, we think that we need to do all these things to get the person back to make us feel good, which is not going to happen. It's gonna make us feel worse that they may not even know we're angry at them. They may not even know we're trying to take revenge on them. They're going about their lives and they're probably much happier than we are. But you're gonna be miserable because you got all this stuff, this hate that's going on. You know, that's just making your life miserable. Somebody said it's just like you taking poison, but you look for the other person to die. 
Um, That's one of my favorite. The way that said, folks, you listening, the act mm-hmm. of unforgiveness, the holding on to that debt that someone has incurred against you is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. To die. When all you have to do is just forgive. Mm. Just forgive. There are a couple of other things I want to unpack here before our time runs out. One, talk a little bit, and we're kind of on that now, but what are some of the consequences of unforgiveness? Oh, my gosh. You're talking about every physical ailment known to man. Stress, okay, strokes, high blood pressure, increased risk of depression, and doctors have verified these things, okay? I had a doctor explain to me we were talking about forgiveness and he was asking me some of the questions you're asking me, but he told me a true to life story about one of his patients who came to him every month. She had something different going on, but he could never find out exactly what it was. <laughs> and then he said, I just, out of my gut feelings, he said, I think the spirit led me to me say, lady, you know what? Maybe there's a person you need to forgive. And I think that'll be the remedy. He said, he just put it out there and she did it. Mm. And she never experienced another physical ailment that she had been experiencing before. All this was brought on from acts of unforgiveness. Yeah. And that's what unforgiveness will do. Not only will it destroy you physically, but it will destroy you spiritually and mentally. It will separate you yeah. Yeah. from people. A husband could be separated from a wife, a wife from a husband. Look where racism got us. Separation. And that's where I wanted to go to, the other yeah. one. Yeah. I remember. I remember, I did not know you then, I didn't know you two weeks ago, but I remember June 2015 when I heard the news of Charleston and my heart was grieving and broken and also thinking because go back four years, five years, six years, seven years, we had a whole series of events happening here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing of this and thinking, Mm -hmm. Oh, no, Charleston is next. Yeah. And when I say Charleston is next, what do I mean, Anthony? You meant Charleston was going to respond with violence, with burning down buildings, with trying to find some white person to beat to death, just just go to go crazy. This outrage. And become more separated and divided as a people, which did not occur. Talk about that some. So right now we're talking about the consequences of unforgiveness. We can flip that and talk about yeah. the benefits of forgiveness. And it's mm-hmm. not just personal. We've been talking largely of personal. But what happened in Charleston? Mm-hmm. It, is forgiveness writ large? Forgiveness is large. And see, that was the surprise. Hmm. Everybody was looking for what you and I just discussed. But all that comes from unforgiveness. Right. Another Ferguson, Missouri. Another Another Ferguson. Right. Right. From not being able to say, you know what? I'm sorry. We're going to try to talk this or whatever. But Charleston, the family members, we forgave him. And we forgave him. Everybody was like, what? Yeah. But again, God's divine intervention came in and changed people's hearts and people's minds. People thought about this. And people just started reaching out, consoling Black, white, Latino, Mexican, Asian, you name it. Jew, Gentile, Reforming Episcopalian, Episcopal Catholics, Jews, Muslim. We just came together and it all stemmed from an act of forgiveness. We consoled each other. We encouraged each other. We wanted to know what could we do to make each other's life better? You know, now you're talking about a city, okay, in a state where slavery was prevalent. Well, if there was a city that we were expecting to explode, Mm -hmm. Charleston had all of the ingredients to explode. Oh, and that's what Dylan Roof realized. And he thought this would spark a race war. A power gag. Yeah, yeah. He didn't expect the grace to step in. Mm. You know, unexpectedly grace did step in, and grace is what changed this community. The Confederate flag came down. We were not even talking about the flag. We've marched, I don't know how many times, to bring that flag down. It never happened. But when we forgave, Hmm. nobody even had to speak about it. It just happened. Something Hmm. that we never could have done. That's what forgiveness does. It's a divine intervention of God. And God comes in to make these changes. God comes in and changes these hearts. God comes in and changes these attitudes. 
if we had taken upon ourselves to respond emotionally, God would have never intervened because we wouldn't give him no reason to intervene. Mm. You understand? And so he made this happen. Mm. I want to go there just a moment. Something you said. Mm -hmm. What I think I heard you say, the way that struck me, we're looking at this at the Charleston level, but also mm -hmm. it comes personal. That a lot of times we want to take things into our hands when we have been wronged, however small or large that is. Or large, yeah. There's a temptation to take this into our hands. It is. And let me go get justice. And what are you saying changes when we choose to forgive? When we choose to forgive, you're taking it out of your hands, putting it into God's hands, the sovereign Lord, the one who is in control. Hmm. You understand? And you're not letting the situation, you're not letting the perpetrator, you're not letting the offender control you. You put it in control into God's hands, the one who controls everybody, the one who's going to grant you positivity rather than negativity, the one who's going to grant you peace instead of misery, the one who's going to grant you love instead of hate and anger. You see, the one who's going to change hearts mm. instead of making hearts bitter. You know, and that's what happened in Charleston. Wow. Now, you got to remember, 500 years before Christ died on the cross, Isaiah said, by his stripes, we are healed. Then 500 years later, when he does this act of forgiveness on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What happens? The veil of the temple comes down, making it possible for everybody to go to God directly and say, Father, forgive me. Mm. Heal me. Take this anger. Take this hate. Stop this discrimination. Stop this racial, you know, stop everything that is not of you and heal us, unite us, bring us together. And that's where we are now. Hmm. That's where we are right now. So in the four years since this has happened, every year there is a memorial service in Charleston. Yes. And what are some of the things you all have done to turn this tragedy hmm. around okay. and make it, as you said, a memorial? Yeah. We remember this. But we right. don't remember it to get bitter, and we don't remember no. it to stir the pot. We remember it no. in what kind of ways? What are you all doing? We remember it to prevent it from happening again by acts of love and kindness rather than acts of hate and anger. One of the things we've done, we did immediately, we started reaching over denominational barriers and racial barriers in the church. Mm. We started with the church because this was time for the church to step up to the bat and take the lead, like the church should have been doing all the time. Our mayor, Tecklenburg, formed an advisory council of pastors. We got over maybe 400 pastors. The focus is on racial reconciliation, forgiveness, and repentance. And to start that off, the mayor mandated a resolution to recognize, denounce, and apologize for the city's involvement with slavery. Hmm. Started hmm. off. Those are the steps we're taking. My church is predominantly black. There are four predominantly white churches, Presbyterian, Lutheran, First Scots Presbyterian, Baptist, and Episcopal. Big churches, predominantly white. We are coming together, reaching over denominational barriers and racial barriers, exchanging pulpits. Our congregations come together during the Lent season and we exchange congregations and churches and have programs where our black and white congregations come together and we talk about what can we do to make this better? What can we do to become brothers and sisters? What can we do to really get to know each other? So things like that are happening in our city. You know, the mayor just for the first time in the history of any state that I know of, the mayor in the city of Charleston just created a department called Racial Reconciliation, hired his first director mm. of wow. racial reconciliation wow. in the office. Wow. So we're moving. We're not playing with this. You know, we're serious about moving forward. Okay, so we've talked about forgiveness both at the personal level and, and then we ended up here talking about it at a macro level. Yes. Before yeah. we go, Anthony, you know, we've talked about this on multiple levels, but yeah. I want to come back to the personal level because I know that there are people listening to this who have been offended and who might unknowingly be locked in a prison of unforgiveness. 
Yeah. What would you share with them, say to them to hopefully awaken them to the possibility and promise of forgiveness and a next step to take? Well, I want them to understand this. I know you're hurt. And I know you're hurt because somebody hurt you. It's not that you hurt yourself. And I don't know what kind of hurt they impose on you, but it's something that you may not be able to get off your mind. You may want to get them back. You may have done it already. You may be plotting some kind of way to kill a group of people, or you may be plotting some kind of way to just hold anger in your heart for this person. And I know that you're miserable. I know that it's not making your life any better. And I want you to understand it's because you got all this stuff tied into you. And I can't blame you for feeling that way. I don't blame you for feeling that way. But what I want you to understand is that somebody loves you more than you love yourself. And he's called God. I don't know if you know him, but he loves you. And he's made it possible for you to get rid of that thing that's harboring you, to get rid of that thing that's making your life miserable. He's made it possible for you to receive that peace that you're trying to get through revenge from anger and hate. All he wants you to do is to forgive that person. Mm. It may be the hardest thing for you to do, but I'm going to tell you, it'll be the easiest thing that you ever did in your life to receive the peace that you're trying to receive from mm. doing it another way. Wow. You will receive that peace. I can guarantee you, you will receive that peace. I know you're looking for it. Mm. I know you're trying to get it. And I know you're trying to get it the wrong way. Hate is not going to give it to you. Anger is not going to give it to you. Taking revenge, trying to kill a group of people is not going to give you that peace. It's just going to make your life more miserable. And then not only that, you may end up killing yourself or you may end up going to prison. So how are you going to find peace like that? You cannot find it. But if you just say forgive, hmm. just forgive that person, that God who loves you will give you that peace that you're looking for because he wants you to have it. Thank you, Anthony. So when we genuinely forgive, what, what you're just sharing, genuinely forgive, if you'll do that now, you will set a prisoner free, and it's yourself. That prisoner will be you. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, for people that just want to learn more about you or mm -hmm. the book, tell them about the book and where they can get it. The book is entitled Call to Forgive, and you can get it from BethanyHouse.com. You can get it from Amazon.com. You can buy from Books of Million. Most anywhere books are sold. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. In today's world, yeah. most anywhere books are sold. All books are sold. You can find it. You know, you can find it. And I'll have a website up soon. So look for it because it's going to be a blog and everything on there. And we're going to be talking about this. And we got a lot of book groups that are happening right here in Charleston that we're talking about this. You know, so it's going to be open. It's going to be open for years to come. Yeah. yeah. So Anthony, is there something on your heart to say before we wrap this up that concludes our conversation today? Yes, yes, yes. <sighs> you know, this is the point where I say I give God the glory because that tragedy that happened, I love my wife. I miss my wife. I cry almost every night. Mm. But God has given me strength. He's shown me his love through acts of forgiveness. He's given me his peace. And no one can do that for me but him. Mm. No one can do that for me but him. So I'm letting you know that I would do anything he asks me to do now. I'll obey him for any reason, for any time. Because I know just being obedient that he's going to give me what I need to continue in my life in spite of this tragedy. Mm. And I just encourage you to do the same thing. You know, Anthony, thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for joining to have a conversation about a tragedy that touched your life so deeply, as you were just saying, something you still feel to this day. But you found this message of forgiveness that has allowed you to move yes. beyond this tragedy and yes. now allows you to help others do the same. Yes, do the same. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Kevin. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow. Thanks again, Anthony, for joining us, for sharing your story with so much passion and such authenticity. And I hope you, you listening right now, found something useful in this conversation about forgiveness. I appreciate Anthony sharing his story of a deep journey 
into and through a very dark moment, a moment that could have led him into a lifetime of anger, bitterness, and resentment. He chose instead to become better, not bitter, and forgiveness is the path out of bitterness. And as you heard us discuss, one of the most misunderstood aspects of forgiveness is that you and me, the forgiver, is the person most affected by our decision to forgive or not to forgive. We could actually say that. To forgive or not to forgive, that is the question for you and for me. I want to say this. Forgiveness is not always easy. Trust me. I know this firsthand right now. It is not a story for me to share today. Maybe there will come a day when I can share it or share some aspects of it. Just know that as I was reading Anthony's book, it's very real for me too. I hope nothing you heard here today conveys that forgiveness is easy. Nor would I say that forgiveness is simple. I will say it is is necessary. I sat on this conversation for a couple of days before I recorded the intro and outro, not sure what to say, because I know not everyone listening shares Anthony's faith. I hope you hear his heart and know that you too can find a way to forgive what others might consider unforgivable. And when you do, I believe you will find release, relief, and peace. I've decided that this is part one of a conversation I want to host on forgiveness. I don't know how many parts there are. I don't know who or when we will have part two who will be joining us. I do know there's more for us to explore about forgiveness. You can email me if you want to share comments or a recommendation, Kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. You know you can call me 678-744-5111. Until next week. I invite you to live, love, and lead with purpose. And if there is an area in which you need to forgive, I hope you find your path forward. Do you have a high-stakes initiative that is stuck, stalled out, or stymied, and you're not sure what to do now and how to forge a path forward? The situation is not as grim as you think it is. We can help. Contact Kevin to explore how a winning conversation may be exactly what you need to break the gridlock, unite your team in purpose, and accelerate traction. Call 678-744-5111 or email kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com.